Today, friends, we continue our discussions from Chapter 15 of Chamber of Secrets, Aragog. I'm Zach, and welcome to the Bladed Bench Podcast, the Harry Potter podcast that doesn't take itself or the books too seriously and loves to bring light on everything awesome and not so awesome in each chapter. In this episode, I'll dive into my favorite foreshadows from the chapter, give and take house points from some of the characters that are involved, human or non, and also share with you what I didn't think made any sense whatsoever. The Belated Binge Podcast. Hi, and welcome to Belated Binge, the Harry Potter podcast that doesn't take itself or the books too seriously. I'm Zach, and despite being the same age as Harry in the movie timeline, I didn't read these books until my mid-twenties. Now, I'm diving deep into each chapter of the series, and in this episode, I'll share my thoughts on the best foreshadow moments, I'll give and take arbitrary house points for the key characters that participated, and I'll round it all out with what I found to be completely ridiculous. Before we jump in, shout out to Alex Swetlin, our free elf patron. Check out patreon.com slash belatedbinge for all the benefits that are available for each tier starting at just $1 a month over there. So I, let's, let's not even waste time. Let's pop the top on a sherry bottle and kick this party off Trelawney style with some divination. Alright, the way this works is I like to highlight four moments of the chapter that foreshadow something to come in the future. And a lot of these are quotes, starting with number one. No, I'm sorry. There's every chance the attacker might come back to finish these people off. That's Madame Pomfrey. Might not be a divination professor. She might not even be technically right. At no point in the rest of the book will Ginny be under Tom Riddle's control, open the Chamber of Secrets, guide the Basilisk to the hospital wing, and try to kill the students that are already petrified. But! But, but, but! He is going to nearly come back in the most literal sense of the phrase when Memory Tom nearly sucks the life and perhaps soul out of Ginny Weasley, nearly becoming fully alive himself. And if that happens, particularly without Dumbledore in the school, because remember, he's suspended. Thanks, Malfoy. He may very well take the Basilisk into the castle with the intent of killing every Muggle-born student in his way, including those in the hospital wing. At least until he finds Harry Potter and kills the boy who lived by besting his older self as just an infant. So no, this quote is not a just blatant one-to-one foreshadow, but there's a lot there. Two, Hagrid's hint about the spiders. It was far easier to understand. The trouble was there didn't seem to be a single spider left in the castle to follow. This one, not a lot to sift through. It's completely on the nose. But all the spiders being gone from the school 
It's a clear foreshadow of not just the chapter where they'll head into the forest and be confronted and nearly eaten by a family of giant spiders, but it's also a foreshadow to finding out what the real monster in the castle is. And it's a monster that spiders fear most. So much so, they won't even say its name. So every spider in the castle has sensed its presence and is getting the heck out of Dodge and avoiding Spider's version of you-know-who. Yeah, that one's a bit more of a blatant foreshadow. Number three, another quote. Sir, said Malfoy loudly. Sir, why don't you apply for the headmaster's job? Ugh, I hate this one, but I have to say it. Draco advocating for Snape to become headmaster after Dumbledore is no longer in the school based on the actions of Draco's father is a pretty spot-on foreshadow for the end of Half-Blood Prince when Draco has a big hand in Dumbledore being gone from the school after being, you know, murdered because of the actions of Draco's father who Voldemort is punishing by having Draco become a Death Eater and ordering him to kill Dumbledore. And of course, once Dumbledore is dead, Snape, the murderer, becomes headmaster of Hogwarts. I'm going to go take a shower now before we finish this. Please hold. Okay, number four. I'm back. Refresh. Let's do this. Another quote. Ron, that girl who died. Aragog said she was found in a bathroom, said Harry, ignoring Neville's snuffling snores from the corner. What if she never left the bathroom? What if she's still there? I'm not sure if you can truly call this a foreshadow. It's kind of just Harry finally putting two and two together about the Easter eggs that were already laid in this book. But he's finally coming around to speculating on how Moaning Myrtle died. And he's exactly right. We'll later learn that she was, in fact, the victim of the basilisk 50 years ago. But what's actually a foreshadow here is that she haunts the bathroom. The bathroom where she died. And that's what will lead us to the last clue. The last clue we need to find the entrance to the Chamber of Secrets itself. What did I miss? Any foreshadows from this chapter you want to share with me? Let me know, belatedbinge.com or at belatedbinge across social media. Now that we're feeling at least some sort of way about ourselves, uh, let's go ahead and do some. House points. In true Hogwarts fashion, these points are completely subjective with no oversight and fully at my discretion. This week, I am giving house points to the car. 50 points for saving these children from becoming spider food. And so long, car, because you are officially done in these books. Although you apparently just roam the Forbidden Forest completely alive. We will never see you again. I still like the idea that throughout uh, the events of the Battle of Hogwarts, instead of coming into the battle and running over Death Eaters, 
Dumbledore's actually still alive and just driving it around the countryside. These two got there happily ever after. Okay, that's nonsense, but whatever. Let me have my fun. It's my podcast, after all. I'm also going to give some points to Fang. That's Hagrid's dog, in case you forgot. He's getting 10 for being a good boy and a good watchdog. Yeah, nice. All right, now it's time to take away some points. And I'm going to take some points away from Harry and Ron, both of them, 15 apiece, for such a stupid idea to go following the spiders into the Forbidden Forest while Hogwarts is on lockdown. I know Hagrid shouldn't have done it, but what the hell no one listening to Hagrid anyway? Not a great idea. And it leads us to a super, super useless jump scare chapter that we didn't need to have and a whole lot of creepy, crawly, gross, nasty spiders. And yes, I am doing a quick look around to make sure one's not going to wind up on my head. Okay, I'm also going to take away some points from Aragog, who's losing 50 for being willing to eat Hagrid's friends. That's not a very good friend move, Aragog. I don't care how hungry your little spawns are. Is that the correct use of spawns? Should I have gone with offspring? I don't know, whatever. Finally, Hagrid. Hagrid is losing points for trusting Aragog so much that he voluntarily tried to send Harry and Ron to their deaths. I was going to go with 50, but Firebird said I should up it to 100, so guess what I'm doing? I'm upping it to 100. Come on, Hagrid. Of course, I will add these up into the tally for the end of this season's Bingy Awards, which is a fun episode, and I've got a lot of math to do for this one. Before we go, I have to acknowledge the moments in the chapter that were utterly, utterly Ridiculous. Yeah, well, it's not an episode of The Binge if we don't call out what didn't make any sense. Starting with the whole chapter. (laughs) This whole thing is ridiculous. It doesn't need to be here. It doesn't serve the plot in any way. Nothing that happens is actually necessary at all. If you open your book to chapter 15 and just ripped out every single page one by one until you got to chapter 16, you can still read the whole book and everything turn out the exact same way. The plot purpose of this chapter is for Harry and Ron to learn that Hagrid wasn't guilty, that the monster Hagrid had wasn't the one that was in the castle attacking people 50 years ago, or now some clues of what the monster really is but not actually reveal it, and for Harry to think Moaning Myrtle could have been the girl who was killed 50 years ago. When the chamber is opened again, we'll know that Hagrid didn't do it because Hagrid's in Azkaban. When we visit Hermione and find her little piece of plot paper, we'll learn that the basilisk is and that Spiders are afraid of it, so that must be what Hagrid meant when he was yelling about spiders on his way to jail. And Moaning Myrtle has been here this entire book, and nothing Aragog said hinted to her at all. Harry could have easily put that thought together just 
one page later in the book and it wouldn't have been out of place in the slightest. And you know what else we wouldn't get? The reemergence of the stupid sentient car, which is incredibly ridiculous. Kids book or not, a magical car that was brought to life apparently by getting beat up by a tree. Now living in the woods, just waiting to save our idiot little duo from some spiders before driving off into the sunset, never to be seen again in this series is a bigger slice of ridiculous pie than getting the rest of our answers from a crumpled piece of paper in Hermione's hand. Spoiler alert for that episode to come. (laughs) And with that, unless you think I missed any, I think we've reached the end of this episode of Belated Binge. As always, shout out to producer Jack, who I work like a dog. Remember to follow and subscribe to the show on whatever podcast player you're using, and if it supports a rating and review option, please, please leave one. And if you're so inclined, check out the additional benefits that are available on patreon.com slash belatedbinge. In the next episode of the podcast, we will wrap up the chapter with our headcanon expecto plot changeo question where I'll share any thoughts that I receive from you as well as my theories on the answer. If you missed that question, you can check out the Expecto Plot Changeo episode of the podcast from last week. Until then, I'll see you next time on the Belated Binge Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Explainiarmus. It's time to disarm your reluctancy and explain how you can support this podcast. Belated Binge is a fully independent production. I read the books, write the script, record the episode, edit the recording, pick and produce the sounds, manage the content schedule, manage social media, promote the podcast, and feed producer Jack. Any costs from equipment to software to website development, marketing, any of that comes out of my pocket. And despite how many times I've been told we look alike, I'm no Harry Potter. No half giant has ever taken me to a bank full of cash and said, hey, you're rich. Having a podcast takes a lot and it's not easy. So your support is literally the only thing that keeps the show going. And there are a few key ways you can support the podcast. First, word of mouth is absolutely huge. If you enjoy the show, please tell every one of your Potterhead friends to give it a shot. Also, Many of the pod players now support a rating and review function. Apple, Spotify, Good Pods, Podchaser, just to name a few. And it takes about four seconds to leave a five-star rating on the app. This can be greatly impactful. If you have more than four seconds, and the app that you're using supports written reviews, that's even better. Think about how reliant we are on reviews. Whether you're buying something new or deciding what book to read next, we're always looking at ratings and reviews to weigh into our decision. Podcasts are no different, and your positive review could be the difference in someone discovering the show and deciding to give it a chance. 
Another great way to support the show is engaging in the conversation yourself, whether it be answering the specific questions I pose during the show or on social media. Maybe you just have a theory of your own or you want to leave some feedback. I'd love to hear from you and maybe even share it on the podcast. You can submit your thoughts by leaving a voicemail on the website, belatedbinge.com. Just click the little leave a voicemail icon on the page that you visit. If you don't like the sound of your own voice, you can also respond in written form by using the contact form on the website, leaving comments or DMs on social media. My handle is belatedbinge across Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And you can also email belatedbinge at gmail.com. The final and perhaps most impactful form of support is to become a patron on Patreon. I've made a ton of updates to Patreon membership benefits this season and some goals to shoot for as well. There are currently six tiers available designed to fit any budget level ranging from $1 to $20 with all the bells and whistles. So benefits range from early access to ad-free versions of the show, recognition on the website, bonus episodes, patron shoutouts, show prep notes, insider participation, bingey award participation, input on show content and future benefits, a drawing for a physical gift sent from me to you and others. I've also set some growth goals that'll unlock new benefits for existing tiers and maybe even adding some more stuff as we go. The first goal is to get 10 total patrons, at which point I will start a patrons discord server. However you choose to support the show, thank you. I truly appreciate it.